Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. This week, we are talking about running camp with less. This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. My name is Travis Allison. I want to welcome you to our show. I am a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant and um, excited to have everybody here with us today. And um, I'll pass over introductions to Chris. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Hudson. I am one of the directors at Camp Highlight, a one-week sleepaway camp for children with LGBTQ parents. And when I'm not doing that, I'm a full-time social worker. So deal with that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and my name is gabrielle rail and i'm one of the camp directors at camp waro and camp waro is an all-girls camp in the laurentian mountains of quebec and we focus on creating a positive female community and we do that in english and in french and my name's joe richards i'm the executive director at pierce williams summer camp and retreat facility in southwestern ontario and we are part of the united church of canada camping network and, uh, oh, I've been here for 16 summers. Mm. Although, does it count if the last one didn't actually happen? Yes, uh, it, it was, it was it still summer. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I know camps that have uh, like a 10-year paddle program that are trying to figure out what counts this year to get, you know, to get in yeah. your 10-year paddle, um, how this year is going to count. Yes. Uh, I think most of them are just giving grace to people that are part of the community we we actually just anybody who signed up for our online program and paid got their tree cookie for our program but if you chose as a parent not to then you're choosing not to support camp in that way so we just didn't so very few people got their tree cookie this year is what i'm saying so gotcha (laughs) is that a cookie shaped like a tree or a cookie that tastes like a tree Neither. Okay. It is I, a chunk actually, I don't of wood. Want, I don't want any more. Actually, I just want to leave the audience with that. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> is that just a Canadian expression? Tree cookie? No, it's a technical, it's a technical term never... that I've checked out with foresters. So when you okay. take a branch of a tree and you cut, or a, a, a large stump and you cut it for that circle that you get with the rings, that's called a tree cookie. Mm. Okay. But when you type tree cookie into Google, you get a lot of images of Christmas tree cookies. Um, And that is also true. Neither of them are bad things. They're both (laughs) equally good. I love that we just, this is at the top of the podcast. So it's only. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're front loading the important stuff. (laughs) We want to welcome everybody to, to the state of our brains today. (laughs) Uh, So we do want to talk today about, um, about this year and, and the problems of this year. Uh, I know for lots of camps, the um, the idea of doing more with less after many years of doing um, a lot with very little is extremely challenging. And um, and even adds yet another level of stress to um, trying to provide excellent programming and life-changing experiences for kids. So we thought we would uh, spend some time and talk about it today, a bit of mindset, a bit of uh, tips and tricks and other ideas, and uh, hopefully give you some energy around that and things that you can accomplish when budgets are going to be tight, etc. Uh, and so I'll start us off. I think that 
um, for those who are listening, there are a number of free resources uh, available to you to maximize your confidence in being a camp director in this new age, um, your ability to learn things. And I certainly think that this medium, obviously you're a podcast listener or watching us on YouTube and and uh, hopefully you watch the other shows that, that we put out um, on YouTube as well. But there's lots of good free stuff out there just to give yourself a little more confidence. Um, I think that's going to be one of the real struggles of this year is how do we get into next spring feeling with everything's changed so much how do we feel and any confidence in the job we do and so i'd say there are lots of cool inexpensive options um, for your own education i think it's also incredibly important to say that your professional development should not take a backseat this year um, I think a lot of camp people are inclined to put their kids first, their staff first, and um, all of very good reason. But I think um, your camp needs you to invest in you this year. So um, I think that there's it's worth looking around. So we want to talk about that today. Think about some other stuff or share some ideas of things that, that can help you feel better uh, about running camp in 2021 with lots of challenges. And so... Uh, Gabble, go to you first. Is there? I, let's start here. What are you folks thinking about and planning for um, for Waro to be as responsible as possible, and um, you know, and still put on the excellent program that Waro is known for? Known for. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for me right now, um, well, the spring was so many. It was just such high thinking and planning. Um, I think we had at one point uh, nine different Gantt charts going at once of what if possibilities and how do we move forward from here. And um, I think for, for, I love adrenaline and I, I can live off of it for a pretty long time. I think it was around week four of adrenaline. That's when it started. It wasn't as fun as it was in the first uh, three and a half weeks um, and just got drained from thinking about how many different scenarios and possibilities and how to keep our staff engaged, our campers engaged. Um, we actually, this summer, we, everybody that was registered or, or were accepted as a staff member at camp did get their, um, their crest. They get a crest and also a 10 year paddle. This was, you know, you're, you're part of the community, et cetera, et cetera. But all of that had to go through a filter system. All of that had to, to have a discussion and right now, um, I'm trying to take just free space to think. Um, there's a, an, I've been walking around camp. I'm living up at camp right now. And I've been walking around camp and finding like wood stumps and being like, hmm, what can I turn this into? Um, and just meditating on, just letting my brain go while I'm painting something random um, that has no consequence. Uh, and just trying to let my head do some deeper thinking and calm thinking. Um, it was in such a high emergency state throughout the spring and throughout the summer that right now, I, even though we're starting staff hiring soon, uh, camper registration is going to go out, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm really finding it's important that I take a couple of hours a day to just think and process and just let the the chips kind of fall where they need to fall and just evaluate evaluate basically how about for you chris there are uh, okay (laughs) so i think 
in thinking about next year, first of all, I want to say, uh, in thinking about doing more at camp with less, when we started camp highlight, we were funding it out of our own pockets, Mm -hmm. uh, our own social work pockets. So we weren't, Mm -hmm. we're not rich, um, you know, wall street people who were like, let's start a camp. And so we had to think about doing everything with less. And now I, have been a camp counselor for a really long time at a really rustic camp in Pennsylvania, which didn't have a giant budget. So we made a lot of our own stuff. And I just got into the habit of, you know, piecing anything together, bringing stuff to camp. Like, you know, you finish a, finish a thing of Pringles, bring the canister with you. Who knows what that could be? You know, you, you you throw something in, it could be a rain stick. It could be, an impromptu football and the kids at some, at, at some point, once it gets going, they don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, and so when we started camp highlight, it was a lot of that kind of thinking. It was a lot of like, you know, texting the staff and being like, Oh, it's two days after Easter, Easter eggs, plastic Easter eggs are 30, 66% off. Like who can come up with an activity that can use this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, going through the garbage, getting toilet paper rolls, like all that stuff. I'm happy to say that after 10 years, we actually like have a budget for these things now, yeah. but the thinking is still there and I'm thankful for it. Um, I wouldn't say that we're cheap. I would say that we are very thoughtful about where we spend our money. Um, yeah. And if we really do need to spend the money on that. Um, so that said, um, the, the other part that I heard Gab talking about, uh, and it was also part of your question as far as like, um, you had, a, I guess, the questions about bandwidth because you were talking mm-hmm. about investing ourselves mm-hmm. and take, and I have found it. I'm going to be really honest. It's very difficult to think about next year amidst everything that's going on, amidst the high anxiety of the spring and the summer. Like I feel like I still need time to shake down from that. Meanwhile, um, at the time that we're recording this, it's the start of our planning season for camp next summer, mm-hmm. and the question marks are everywhere. The first one being, will we be able to do this at all? Mm -hmm. Uh, And once you start there, it kind of deflates your balloon for all the other things that we should be focusing on right now, like staff recruitment and engagement with parents to get them to send their kids back. It's, I I wish I had an answer or suggestion for people listening, but I think it's just uh, go to your favorite spa that's what I'm going to do if it's open. I think I just really need to clear my head and get back into the groove, which always mm-hmm. takes me a long time after camp is over and I come home. I cannot talk to or see anyone involved with the camp for like a full 10 days. Don't yeah. text me. Don't call me. So technically, I guess I'm still in that period. It's just lasting a little longer. Right. Um, yep. yep. That's where I'm at. Joe? I think the idea, there's so many ideas to unpack. Programming is a whole different conversation because I grew up at a camp that had very little, if anything, and relied on imagination. And I think that has made me a stronger, more resilient camp person overall. And I think that right now doing, when I think of the doing more with less and and let's say, let's say we're planning for next summer already, um, you should plan for next summer. Do the easy task first. What are your dates? You know, do you need to increase your right? You need to put, you need to get dates ready, website ready. You need to get your staff recruitment ready. You need to add some paragraphs in there to say, if camp doesn't happen, this is what we'll do. And so, and also I'm just reading a book on um, the 10 laws of simplicity. And and one of, I only got through the first three because I made it simple. Um, The, the one of them is uh, the, this idea that 
Um, I don't want our staff, my office staff, if they're still here, um, or me to have to call every parent to find out what they're going to do with their deposit next year if camp doesn't happen again. And so we're just making it a checkbox on the registration form this year. You know, in these times of uncertainty, if camp doesn't happen, will you turn that into a donation or will you carry it forward as a credit or so just take all of that. We know that's a what if, but why not just say, Hey, if this happens again, because it happened last year, you make the choice now. Um, The same way on programming, the way we do programming at Pierce, uh, we moved to choice-based programming maybe five, six years ago. And I was like, well, why don't we ask the parents and the kids what they love when they register for camp so that our staff can make those programs up? And I was like, oh, that's that's easy because it's, it's just data. Doing more with less, right? Like investing in your, in your own education right now or even in thinking about camp because it is still, and I've said this on our podcast in the spring and I, right. There is still a giant pile of, I don't know, sitting over in the corner of my office. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be allowed. I don't know what it looks like. If we are allowed, am I going to put eight kids in a cabin? Am I going to put four kids in a cabin? Am I going to have, right? Like, are we allowed 30% uh, 30 to 50% of capacity, mm-hmm. right? Like all of those things are these giant, I don't knows, which can bog you down, but I'm still going to need staff so I can recruit staff and I'm still going to need dates and, and right. So those are things that are knowns and I can be like, great. I know. And I was thinking today when I was um, out at Staples buying a, a new calendar, um, I use a, a little paper-based calendar that um, that travels with my notebook uh, around my office because it's easier to flip months ahead as opposed to looking at a computer. And, and um, one of the things I was like, you know what else we could do right now? I could plan this. I could plan the dates for the summer of 2022 and 2023 and 2024. I know I can, because I know how I plan them. I go from our August holiday weekend, our civic holiday weekend, and I go back and forth, you know, front and back. Um, that's a Canadian holiday, civic holiday. And so doing more with less is this idea that, okay, well, if I have less staff, if I need to rethink about how I'm going to do this, because I'm going to have fewer campers, so I'm going to have fewer staff. If I have fewer campers and fewer counselors, do I need the full leadership team that I've had for the past 10 years, 10, 12 years? Or can does that need to be less as well, right? Does you know, we're not going to have any school groups in the spring. So do I need as many spring staff, what we would call spring staff here in Ontario to come in May and June, right? And if I have no money to spend on maintenance, I certainly don't need as many spring staff, right? I can't just create projects out of thin air unless I have funds. And so it's this idea that we, our maintenance team really bought into, and by team, I mean two people, bought into the idea of, um, and our whole staff here bought in the idea that the theme of 2020 was do what you can with what you have, right? You look around the facility, this needs to be repaired. We have the wood to do that. Let's go and repair that. Oh, look, here's lights that Joe bought two years ago that nobody ever put up. Let's go and put those up, right? So doing what you can with what you have, because what's also going to happen to us this year in our planning is that we know we're not going to have the money from registration to spend on things 
because it's prudent financially to put that money into an account and not spend it. Because if I have to pay it back, I don't want to be in the same situation I was this year where I had that money. I'd spent that money on salaries and on supplies and on maintenance, which means you're in a hole, right? You're starting in a hole. So any credits we gave this summer is already a hole. And then um, because I might accrue $40,000 in deposits for us as a small camp, that's 40,000 I would have spent in January, February, March, right? And April, and now I'm not going to have it, right? So, so it's really a, yeah, and education is another big thing. Travis said early, you know, now's the time to invest in yourself. And, and I agree, but once again, where's that money in my mind? I'm like, where's that money coming from, right? Like if, I, if I've asked all my staff to take a 25% pay cut to work here, because that's what the Canadian government is giving, can I really say, oh, yeah, in my education budget, I'm going to just use it, right? Like, I'm like, oh, we'll see. But, um, yeah. I like, Joe, I, I want to pick up on, on a thing you said and turn to Chris and Gab with this. Um, the idea of looking at this past year in learning from the communication mistakes or the setup mistakes and trying to account for them now. So how do you create it in your forms? Like if, you know, if we have to cancel, I, I love that. What would be the sort of things for Chris or Gab, whoever wants to take it, what would be the sort of things that you'd start to look at or that you would return to lessons from this year that you want to make sure you don't, you don't, you don't, that those lessons are well applied for 2021. I love how you're both giving that thinking face. We're both, you know, the, the thinking emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if this answers your question, but I've learned a lot from this. Mm. I mean, what we've all learned is that um, we're even better under pressure than we thought. You right. Know? And I want to I want to say that to anyone who's listening who is a camp director who feels like they didn't do a good job. You did do a good job. Like if your camp still exists. If your yeah. children are safe and happy, whatever you did, whether it was digital, whether you mailed something out, like it, it worked and we're here and we're going to do it again. Um, everyone deserves a bit of grace. Okay. That said, <clears throat> to answer the question, things from this year that will be well applied next year, th- the digital space for our camp, like that entire landscape has been opened up to us. And it's something that we never considered Mm -hmm. before um, as far as using uh, technology to do a lot of our work. I mean, obviously spreadsheets and stuff like we've, that's fine, but we have been struggling to find a way to do our camp training. Um, Our camp training happens before, well before camp begins, because the way that our host site works is that we, when we show up, Camp has to start the very next morning. So our staff is on site. There's no time for training. We've got to go. So we've been struggling with how are we doing? We're asking people to have travel twice in the summer. Uh, and now it's almost like a no-brainer. Well, of course, we'll do it online. And training is our fourth largest expense of our entire budget. And now we just got, we, we wiped it out. Now we're just paying for a Zoom handle. It's, so that's one lesson that we are definitely going to carry forward. Um, but to, to really answer your question, I'd have to say we have to wait and see. Like, honestly, I think once the programming for the, once the planning for the programming begins, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see 
um, what we can do, given that we didn't operate last year. Uh, I really love Joe's idea of putting it on the registration form and asking the parents to ask their kids, what did you like to do? Because I feel like this year is going to be a greatest hits year. Like the, we always want to innovate because yeah. we never want to do the same thing. But I think right. this year it's like, oh, you loved Gaga? Great. There's going to be two times as much Gaga as usual just because some of the other things that are like high run-ups, like weird science or some of the other activities we do, I just don't know if we can get them together if we're going to have enough interest or kids to do it. Right. Well, I think that's a really good point, Chris. It's we have to remember that kids experience and even our staff experience of summer camp is different than our own. Like if you ran something three years ago and it was a success, um, very few people will remember it. It's, it's, you know, it's along the same lines as if you done, if you, you do a new tradition or a new style of running the dining hall or something, you know, the first year is going to be terrible. And the second year, they will never believe you that it hasn't always been that way. Um, and in the same way, that short, you know, we're in camp all the time and we forget that from the other, the, the perspective of staff are not involved year round or kids that are only come for a short period of time, um, that there's so much space in between that they forget. So if you ran something great two years ago um, and you've got it all written up and you can pull that out or three years ago, no one will remember it. You might have some, um, you might have some staff are like, oh, I love this one. But you've got lots of stuff like that that you can pull. I think a three-year cycle on evening programs and special events, this stuff is is more than enough. You don't have to have um, your, you know, have to give the mission to the person who does looks after your big camp-wide programs. That you got to come up with something, a miracle thing off the top of your head to be good at this job. I think we can go back to them and say. I think there's a point you brought up, Travis. This this non-summer that just happened for many camps allows us to change things and we can always blame it on COVID, right? Like, so we're doing this with rental groups as well and, and with, with summer camp change. So there's physical changes that have happened at camp that people haven't seen for two summers now, right? Like we cut down $10,000 worth of trees last, this time last year. And very few, if any, of our staff right, or camper families have seen them, right? Mm-hmm. Because they haven't been here, right? We built something that we call the wall up at camp that uh, is really just hiding ugly maintenance area. Um, and we put colored numbers up so our program staff this year could use it. And then no program happened. But, like, we can talk. They'll come and they'll think that's brand new. And us, the people who have been here for a year, will think, that's not new. Like that's been there for like a year and a half, but all of these changes, I think allow us to uh, COVID allows us to, um, to make changes that, that we either were necessary or will make camp better because oftentimes people are afraid of change. Um, and people are afraid of changing the smallest thing, or we've always done it that way. And, and, um, like, so one of the big changes we've made for our retreat groups is we're no longer taking small groups, right? Instead of 25, our minimum number is now moving up to 50 and you have to book for two nights. You can't just do a single night. And, and with the goal that we're making $3,000 a weekend minimum um, just to turn the lights on. And, and I've done the math on it and we'll lose 
we'll lose a variety of small groups, but, you know, every group we book replaces three smaller groups. And so it's less work for the same. And, and so with, with camper parents, you know, and, and camp, what are the changes we can make that might be a less for us, but we don't need to say to them, we're doing it with less. Um, right. It's, you know, so a cabin, one of our cabins that holds that would have held 32 campers in four rooms. So four rooms of eight now might only be able to hold 16. And, but what does that look like and how do we do it? And how do we convince parents that that's okay. Doing less, all of these changes, right? COVID is, uh, and the pandemic are uh, a way to implement changes or to rethink about the way we do things so that it's not always the same. And finances play a big role into this because what this pandemic has opened up to many camps is that we're either spending our money at the wrong time of year or we're spending it on too many full-time staff or right? Where we don't have the money dedicated to where it needs to be. And, and so all of these changes are, are open for discussion with COVID on the table and the pandemic still going forward. Chris, you look like you had a thought. I w- I'm, I'm just, I'm vibing off of something that you suggested earlier, as far as mm-hmm. like um, our kids and our staff, our expectations of ourselves as camp directors are usually much higher. Yeah, You know, I'm always yep. thinking, how can I make this as exciting as Disney World, right. um, so I want I want Disney World to be like here, and we're ranked yeah. really close behind it. Yeah, that is impossible, you know. Right, uh, but that's where I start. Meanwhile, I was recalling a time when I was like a new counselor. I was still a teenager, and my group was bothering me. So I borrowed like an old joke from the cartoon Daria. And I said, all right, kids, we're going to play Death Mushroom. The first person to move or drop a spore loses. It didn't make sense. I just said it. They played that game for an hour. Right. Uh, It didn't require any equipment. All they were doing was standing there pretending to be mushrooms and living their entire lives (laughs) through that game. You know, and... You know, in my mind, I would be like, oh, how do I, you know, simultaneously spin plates and do a hula hoop while singing to entertain them? And that's really all it took. I'm not saying that we should set our expectations low. I'm not saying that we shouldn't set lofty goals. Like us setting lofty goals is why our camp is so successful every year. Mm -hmm. But I think it's helpful. There's a bit of reality testing that comes in like, okay, um, yes, we want new stuff, but this can be good enough, especially for this year. I would say this year, everyone has permission for this to be a good enough year. Yep. Get back on all the, all the um, great new ideas like in 2022. I think 2021 will be the good enough year. And if we are excited about it, the kids won't even notice unless they listen to this podcast, which in that case, I guess the jig is up. <laughs> it's, the, it's very um, Donald Winnicott of you with the, the good enough parent, the good enough year. Um, and, and the child psychiatrist, Don uh, Winnicott was talks about the importance of the good enough parent, not the perfect parent. Uh, Cause the perfect parents really stressed out and uh, the perfect parent is missing the now moments and the good enough parent, you know, is there. And for me, I think, I think that um, it's not a secret to most of, most parents that camps are struggling and I think that there's a little 
even though that there might be empathy for camps that they are struggling, um, the core of parents is that, you know, you want your kid to have the best experience possible and you don't want it to be less than um, the years before. And I remember when my folks first purchased Waro, um, even though my, my parents must have been here for at least 30 something years, um, but there was a suspicion that camp was going to go downhill, even though they had been <laughs> working here yeah. for so long. <laughs> and I remember they had built, this was not a plan. It wasn't organized, but they built these two little new cabins. And I just so happened to be in that area when on opening day, when uh, parents were, you know, bringing their kids to their cabins and tents and et cetera. And I heard, you know, two groups of parents talking and saying, Oh, well, I was, I was really worried, but I see that there's some improvements here. And it was just these two little cabins. They're adorable. I'm not saying that they, they're nothing, but it, it wasn't to make a big grand gesture, but for these parents, it was, it was just reassuring. And I think, I think we can do, I think there's an, an importance in showing parents that we're not um, keeping the status quo necessarily, but that there's actual improvements. And I think that we can do that with very little, you know, you could, we can, you can do a, you know, a new activity called like, you know, um, something that we started a while ago, but (laughs) the mushrooms, yes, or the heavy head Travis that you had uh, taught us, which is hilarious, but like, like stitch and fix, like, like a, a workshop for kids daily that they can come and bring clothing that is ripped or something that's broken and somebody will teach them how to do it. That's cool. And that's awesome. That's something that might speak to the values of your camp or moss gardens, you know, moss that grows on the roofs of your cabins might start to deteriorate those roofs, but by taking them off and and putting them somewhere else actually really helps with uh, rejuvenating certain ecosystems. So moss is like the number one thing that helps other things grow. So if you did do some construction, then it's nice to move those around. There's little, there's things that you can do that have big impact, big value that speak to parents because their initial even though they might be empathetic with what we're going through, they need to know that you're always innovative, that you're implementing, that you're thinking of, your, of their children and it, it puts them at ease. And I love the idea of like the greatest hits of the summer. And I love asking families, Hey, what is your, what's the favorite food food? What's your favorite program? Like I think in registration, this, this is going to be super helpful and I also think that in a month or so, talking about programs that aren't going to cost you any money, but that you're, that you're shifting things and you're bringing some new stuff is going to speak to parents and saying, you know, they have my child, just like they did last year and the year before that, they're thinking of them and they're always in development. I think one of the things that I get out of this, and I think a lot of parents would have gotten early in the pandemic, is who, why have we not taught our kids to be bored? Like, why have we not taught our kids to be able to entertain themselves away from technology? Because I think you're a week, a week in, and people are on their phones or on Netflix or whatnot. And then three weeks in, parents are like, well, they should be doing something. And, and it's one of those tasks, and, and Chris said it, right, that you put this expectation that it be like Disney World. And that's really not what we're competing, right? If that's what we think we're competing with, we're never going to win. I think the idea is that, and it was said best by one of our camper parents many years ago, that 
you know, they had sent their kids to us one year. And then um, that same summer, they sent their kids to an unnamed camp. Um, and the, when they were asking that follow up where the kids wanted to go, they said, well, we loved, you know, the activities at this unnamed camp. Um, but Pierce Williams feels like home. And you're like, okay, that's success, right? Like right there, that's it. I don't need high ropes and I don't need horseback riding and I don't need, you know, as a water ski pond. Um, and I think that the, one of the things I've tried to get into our staff minds is this idea that you don't need to entertain your counts, your campers every free moment because they have to be able, one of the life skills is to be able to learn to do those things themselves, right? That, that you can just go for a walk in the woods and they can spend time doing nothing in the woods, right? Or they, and, and because they'll figure out what to do in the woods, right? Be it stick fights or be it, creating fairy homes or be it right Big like sticks with other sticks yep. fights. digging a hole <laughs> digging a hole in the in the mud with a stick right this is what people do and and we're at least country kids this is what we did as a as a kid right like as a middle child of five siblings being the middle child on a farm um i was left to my own devices a lot and it just and, and, and I've often, in the, in the past 10 years, I've tried to think about how can we help our campers get an internal monologue of creativity and imagination going that doesn't involve seeing it. Meaning, right, like remember, we, we as adults now can remember the first time we saw a movie, um, but I can also remember the first time I, saw, I read a book. Right. So one of the examples I use when I talk about creativity and, and imagination is, right, you read a book like Lord of the Rings when you're a kid or The Hobbit, which I did. I was read The Hobbit by my grade five teacher out loud to the class. And in my mind was just this picture of what a hobbit looked like and what a, what a wizard looked like and what, you know, what a dragon looked like. Um, because there are no images. It was just her reading it aloud. And in my past couple of weeks of surgery recovery, I've, I've sat and watched Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit. And, and I'm fairly happy that that's what Peter Jackson made it look like. But it's this idea that kids now rarely, lots of kids lack the imagination to know. And I think that at camp, that's a, there's a skill to teach counselors to not always try to entertain. And it's hard because as we know, as experienced camp people, for a millennia, or for the past hundred years, one of the things we've been taught as camp people, as counselors, is you have to make sure that your campers are engaged 100% of the time. Well, I was just, I'm so glad you said that joke, because I was just about to challenge you, because like, it's not so much that we have to talk to our kids, train them to be bored or whatever. It's really a conversation with our staff, because it's a mixed message, and we do it every year. It's a mixed message where we say, okay, listen, we're hiring you to be a best friend. We're hiring you to be a nurse. We're hiring you to be a clown. We're hiring you to do all those things. You have to be entertaining. And at the same time, during village time, just kind of let the kids do what they're going to do. That's a mixed message. And it's, it's, it's really difficult to construct a conversation or training, which we can definitely, as we are in this conversation, highlight the importance of it. But like practically, how do you get a bunch of people who are interested in working, making magic with groups of children and say, you don't have to work that hard or make that much magic. The kids will do it on their own. 
Like I, I'm with you 100%, but you know, 25 years into working at camp, I'm still struggling with that balance. I think that if, one of, if somebody can come up with what that training looks like and how to teach it, I think it's a gold, right? Then, because well, I, I think we all parents, get off mic right now and make some money. Let's I think the parents, <laughs> I think parents would see parents already see the benefit of camp when their kids come home, and that whether you're doing it with more or with less, right? As someone who who grew up working in United Church camps with nothing, and then went to private camps, and and the the challenge I always felt at private camps where you had a ton of program is that they relied on the program, as opposed to relied on the imagination. And, and I, I wish I had an answer, Chris. I don't know specifically because it is a mixed message. Um, but I know in, in, in moving to choice-based programming where kids pick what the, where they want to go, it's easier because the kids are engaged in that choice, right? They're like, oh, well, I want to be at tea under a tree, right? Like I want to sit and drink tea and learn about tea. And, and you're like, this is the weirdest session because in 1989, there's no way this session would have gone, but right. And, and um, yeah, village time. I like that, uh, that phrase. That's good because it reminds me many years ago, Gab and Travis might remember there's a, a camp program called the game of village, which I am still fascinated with to this day where the kids come and there's zero programming. They make their own villager, they build their own buildings and then they interact with the other villagers and I'm like, that so appeals to me. I like, and they're miniature, like almost I, in my mind, I picture them as a slightly smaller Hobbit size villagers. We'll put a link in the, we'll put a link in the notes to the game of village because it's still going. It's still, it's still happening somewhere. I'll figure it out. Yeah. But this idea that you, that we rely too much on keeping the kids entertained as opposed to teaching them how to entertain them, how to, how to be bored and, and, and come up with those things themselves. And that you can do a lot with less if that's what you do. And I think that actually this year, more than any, than other years, we might want to reconsider our programming and look at creating a little less of a compact programming so that not just for our campers, but for our staff members, mindfulness is, is coming into play. And, it, and I think, I think there's, you know, it, it, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is intentionality and, and saying, you know, what is our mission and what is our goal during, during this time and what are we trying to do? And sometimes it's not necessarily about providing two and a half hours of, free time and let's see what happens but sometimes it's about taking an hour-long activity and making it a um you know a 48 minute activity and giving people just a little bit more time to move from point a to point b and just lessening that time so that when they get to their cabin or tent there's a little bit of chit chat that's happening and there's a little bit of just calmness um you know i think in the camp industry you know we joke that like peeing and going to the bathroom is a luxury, um, which I think might not shift for camp directors, but for our staff and for our campers, that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be a luxury. That's, that should be something that you have time to do and just shifting a little bit your schedule so that you have breathing time. And so that you have reflection time and adjustment time and transition time can help 
lend to creativity, can help, help lend to um, decrease stress. And if you're feeling stressed right now, maybe think about camp and use that stress as sort of a conductor for what would you like camp to look like? What would be very, very nice? And I know we adjusted our schedule two years ago to be a little bit less compact because certain things were starting to be added into our schedule, such as, you know, writing home for the kids. Um, They would write home, you know, once or twice a week um, altogether, but that ate into their uh, rest hour and um, we added in more showers, but that ate into some other free time. And so we adjusted, we took some things out of our program that we had around since the beginning over a hundred years, you know, a hundred years ago, we took out so that we could just let everybody breathe. And it made such a difference. And we still, of course, had that free time was always put in place and we have it, but just loosening up the schedule. And I think we're going to be inheriting a lot of stress um, individuals and stressed out staff and campers and um, and and we I think planning ahead to create that elasticity uh, will be helpful what with you said Gab with intention and I yeah. think that this goes back to Gary Forrester who was a YMCA consultant um, probably still is but the idea that Less with more makes me, if you just build a, we have some old porches we're taking out and we're not throwing the wood away. We're just going to make 10 by 10 platforms. Um, if you just put a 10 by 10 platform in the middle of a field, somebody's going to come and what, what, what generally what staff are going to ask right now or campers, well, what's that for? And the reality is it's, it's not for anything. However, you're going to use it as what's the wall for, uh, the wall is to hide ugliness when you drive into camp. What you use the wall for is mm-hmm. totally your choice. And if I put a 10 by 10 platform and Gary Forster always talked about this idea that if you just have gathering spaces, right? Like just places where people can gather. So if it's where they can lounge and suntan, or if it's where kids do impromptu, right? All of those things, but then creating time as Gab said in the schedule to allow those things to happen. It's a, you're creating a community and a village where people have these places and, and things that you um, that they can interact with on their own terms without you telling them exactly. Travis is a huge Lego fan, and um, the the this is what when my kids were young, right? You buy a Lego set and they build the Lego thing that's in the set, as opposed to just when I was young. They, you just bought like a Bucket box of Lego, of Lego and you, you built whatever. I built a ton of yeah. walls and houses, right? And, and, Spaceships. and, well, and, and, and sometimes cars, but the wheels in our house didn't always stay. I'm not sure where they went. I, I think they're all down some poles in the basement. But I think this is an interesting point, And I'd really like to, to really focus on this for just a second. The, um, it's a huge opportunity for camps to offer families the gifts of letting kids use their imagination, um, of letting kids um, try different things and experiment and just play imaginary games that, that that we have for lots of different reasons, 
thought out and not thought out. Um, a lot of camps have thrown money at the problem of what what kids can be doing. But my best memories of childhood, Joe talked about some of his, my, some of my best memories of childhood, certainly my strongest mes- memories of going to camp are um, just playing together with my cabin mates. Um, there was a lot of freedom when I started camp in the the late 70s, early 80s, a lot of freedom for kids, you know, come back here in an hour kind of thing. And um, and I remember doing things like what we would now call LARPing. Um, I remember doing that when I was 11 year old and we had a, a counselor who also loved nerdy books and, and let us sort of invent games together. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm just gonna take us off of the schedule of going to all these different program areas and we're just gonna play for an afternoon and that, I, I remember it perfectly clearly um, that afternoon spent just playing in the woods, which is kind of along the lines of hitting sticks with sticks, but um, it was, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing we can offer to families that, that their kids may not be getting in lots of other places. Chris. I love that. I love that, but I, I'm, I'm going to be the wet blanket. Are you ready? Excellent. Ready. Very ready. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. I, I'm going to say this. I know there are some camps that sell that, right? Bring your kids to the woods. We're going to dunk them in water. They're going to be wet the whole time. They're going to throw paint at them. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, I, I do think that for certain parents, that's a hard sell because I think what a lot of parents at least believe they're paying for is Fair activities. Point. Yep. And so it's hard to say, come to our camp and your kid can explore. And I know there are definitely camps that a camp stomping ground comes to mind. That's very much their sort of thing. Like we're going to give your kid a stick and throw them in the woods and they're going to have, they're going to be like the lost boys and they're going to have a fantastic time. And they do. Um, And I think that's great. I just, I don't know if that's for every camp and maybe this is a failure of my marketing imagination. I think it's difficult to say, come to this camp. We've taken activities off the schedule to let your kids sort of like low simmer and work on their imagination. And I'm going to bring it up again. It's a hard sell for the staff to really train them on how to do that. And I, I'm with you, Travis, like it's uncomfortable. some of, as a young counselor, I remember my kids saying to me, cause they got them in the habit of doing it. They'd be like, Chris, can we go bushwhacking? And what bushwhacking was is that whatever I would walk the group, like we were going to whatever activity and then we would disappear into the woods and just sort of get lost and try to get back to camp before we're missed. And even today, I mean, these kids are now in their 20s and 30s, and they're like, oh, remember when we went off and we found that that creek that no one's ever seen before? Everyone saw the creek before, but they had never seen it before. And the, the magic of the discovery was really powerful for them. I love that. I don't know how to train staff to do that. And to be fair, I would never train my staff to be like, don't show up to the activity and just get lost in the woods. Like, that's a nightmare. No one do what I did. But at the same time, I feel like for the past half hour, we've been suggesting that people should do what I did. And I, again, it's a mixed message. I don't have an answer. I'm just saying like, I have been struggling with this balance for a long time as well. I think Chris, you need to, it's not your marketing imagination. It's part of you saying, I wanna make sure parents know what they're getting. And I had the same conversation with, um, with my camp director years ago when we changed something and they're like, well, how are we going to sell that to parents? I was like, we are not going to sell that to parents. We don't need to tell the parents at all about this part of our, this one part of a 24 hour day That's very or funny. of 520 mm-hmm. hours. Right. I, exactly. I don't need to say we've taken away 
we've taken away cabin devotion and this and that. All I say is, you know, kids can choose their own sessions. They'll have a variety of, they're going to be supervised. And I think this is the trick to bushwhacking in today's age is you can teach your staff that that's fine. And the staff can make it feel like to the kids, like they're just making this really random choice. As long as you as a camp director know beforehand, right? Like if, if, if a counselor, and we talk about this in staff training, right? If you as a counselor want to take your kids and wander over to um, the historic, the national historic site that's across the road from us, um, and you want your kids to think it's you running away as a cabin group without us knowing, I'm totally down with that, but yeah, I need to know, exactly. right? Like, just let us know. Because I, uh, the same, Travis, and for you, right? Like, I have this great memory of doing a walk down Lake Erie to the wall, which was a, a beat up marina that was like a good three mile walk along the beach of Lake Erie and the cliffs of Lake Erie. And, and I still talk about it with that counselor to this day, how impactful that was. And my camp director from then, this would be the late seventies, really early eighties. He still brings it up because he was pissed that we didn't get back in time because three miles is a long way for little kids to walk, especially. Yeah. So, but he knew where we were. That's the thing, right? Like as long as it's teaching these staff that you can make it look random, as long as I know you can, you can hit me with a water balloon. Just warn me beforehand. That's all. I think, I think for me, it's not about um, creating more space for your campers and letting them, uh, have more space to, to quote unquote, be bored or imagination or do non-programming programming. programming. I think it's about thinking about your staff and your campers coming in after the year that they have had. And it goes back to the intentionality. And when we shifted our program two years ago, I noticed I, we did this because I noticed that my, especially my seniors felt and my July seniors felt very overprogrammed from school and um, the extracurriculars that they had to do and the exams and all that kind of stuff. And we realized that camp was just as packed and we wanted to just loosen it up a bit. And that's all we did. But there was a, there was a real intention about it. And I, I'm always concerned about pendulum swinging. And when you have an idea in your head where, you're, where we think, okay, you know what, everybody's going to be stressed, so let's give them a whole bunch of free time. Well, that's, that's not going to solve anything. But what are some small actions, some small shifts that you can do that are going to just allow for shoulders to go down a little bit? And I love the idea of like tea under a tree as a program. And what does that mean? Maybe for some camps, it's quite organized. Maybe it's really about um, what our topic is going to be and all the campers know that we're going to have a conversation and that there's going to be a little learning process at the beginning and then there's going to be group discussion and I think pair share, et cetera, et cetera. Perhaps it's really, really formalized. And for maybe other organizations, it's going to be just really literally underneath a tree where you have tea and there's a staff member there and people can talk about whatever. But I think, again, it has to go, has to come back to your values, what you're comfortable with and what you feel you're capable of teaching your staff and it takes a staff member a really long time or or at least a community of staff members it takes a long time for them to do quote-unquote unprogrammed programming that does take time to train 
to train. It's possible, but you do have to do baby steps and plant that seed and, and not necessarily just go rogue <laughs> at your, within your, within your camp. I, I think it, what we're really talking about is what are we, what are we thinking about for next summer and how are we not making ourselves go crazy in the sense of the limitations that we have financially and staff and what are some shifts that we can do that are going to make sense regardless of what the outcome is going to be. And at the same time, um, it's not going to, it's not going to put stress on our bank, but it's also going to show to parents we're thinking about you and what sort of little programs can we shift and then have our, our greatest hits as well so that we're really honoring our kids and our staff members that are coming back that that is what camp is for them. They're coming back for these really exciting moments and we're saying we heard you and we're going to go all out um, with these programs. That's a great place to put a, a button on this topic. Thank you, Gab, for making us out that way. Um, so yes, great discussion. I would love to know if there is some things that um, that people have questions about uh, from this stuff um, that you'd like to follow us up on. I think we actually got into a different discussion than I thought we were going to when we started. Yeah, um, but I'm <laughs> happy with that. Um, I'm not mad at it at all. I, I loved where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. totally, totally. Um, so thank you to the, the three of you for that. Um, so then what I'm going to do is move us on to our tool of the week. So uh, the tool of the week, as a reminder, if you're new because you thought um, you, you saw this topic and listened to the Camp Hacker podcast for the first time, it's just something that uh, helps us make be a better camp director. Um, it is not necessarily related to the topic that we are talking about today. Uh, just one of those things that um, that you bring that everybody brings to the table that that uh, makes the job a little easier. Um, Gab, I want to start with you today. What's your tool of the week? My tool of the week is a um, a Chrome plugin called Just Not Sorry, and it's for your email, Gmail, and um, and it's basically been inspired by the writings of Tara Moore, who's um, is is she's all about not undermining what you're what you're saying. So for those of us that say sorry a lot. Uh, in our emails or add a lot of exclamation marks. It's really just not to undermine your point. And so this plugin is there to help you figure out um, or just a little notice, say, hey, maybe maybe change your language in, in this sentence. And I'm one of those individuals um, uh, that, that does that. So, so the, just you just have to remember when you're putting in a plugin on Chrome that you have to restart Chrome and et cetera, et cetera. Some people say it's not working, but you actually have to, to restart it and everything. But uh, it's, it's pretty darn cool. And I like putting in a lot of exclamation marks and it's already notified me, you know, maybe just use one exclamation mark um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you're making your point. I may listen to it. I may not. Who knows? But I, I it's love a great, philosophy. that's great, Gab, because I was doing some research for a podcast. I'm going to be on as a guest and, and it's about storytelling. And right. they say the, the the last thing you should do as a speaker or a storyteller is apologize as soon as you stand up because yeah. it gives the whole audience. And so this, right. the same in an email to anyone or in a letter, why would you say sorry for asking for something you want or yeah, that's great. Or in, or in person. Exactly. You know, yes. How many of us are late to an engagement 
you're, you're 10 to 15 minutes late, <laughs> yeah. like not that consequential. And your whole energy running is, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, before you say hello, yeah. that's your whole energy. Yeah. It's like people are happy. People are happy that you're there. People want to have this communication. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love that so much. Cool. So it's the grammarly of being more assertive. That's correct. All right. Less <laughs> passive. Good way All of right. putting it. Yes. That's a good one, Gab. Thank you. Chris, what's your tool? Uh, this is going to seem pretty mundane, but it has sh- it's changed my entire life. Slack is a messaging tool that businesses use, um, but I've turned it into a messaging tool that I use with everybody in my life. Like I have, I'm part of six different Slack groups, seven now, seven different Slack groups. Yes. Um, we, we have our own Slack group, which is great. And we just, you know, send memes back all day long uh, and, and emojis. And what it's been super great for me as a camp director is that one, as soon as someone is hired, they get to join this, like they get this exclusive invitation to be on the Slack where there's like veterans who are talking about the camp and they are showing pictures back and forth. And it allows our staff to feel like a community before we actually get to the training, which happens in the summer because our staff gets hired in February. So by the time we actually get there, they've been having a nonstop conversation. It allows us a channel that is not email to communicate with our staff. A lot of younger staff, they don't email, which... I don't know how that works, but whatever, I guess I'm not 21, but it, you know, anything, a young person, if, it, if it's a notification notification on their phone, that's not an email, they're in. So Slack is great for that. And it allows us to build excitement for them. You know, every time we have someone register for camp, we like post something in the, the staff Slack group being like, you know, you know, Jeffrey's coming back. And then everyone's like, Oh my God, I love Jeffrey. And then they'll put pictures of, and it's a whole thing that happens. It's great. So not only is it for hyping people up, but like I said, distributing information about deadlines. No one can say they didn't get the email because everyone can see that I put it in Slack. Right. Uh, it's, it's really phenomenal and it's free for the most part. Um, I don't think any of our staffs are big enough that we would have to take the paid option. And if you're not using Slack, like I'm going to be very direct with everyone listening. You need to use it right now. It will change the way that you are doing things for sure. Good one. Thanks, Chris. Joe, what's your tool? Uh, My tool of the week is inspiring newsletters. I know that in our inboxes, we can sign up for newsletters that we never read. And those are the ones that I sort of, I create a filter and they go into a newsletter bin and and then I, I just don't read them. But there's, if you can find, I, if you can find an inspiring newsletter, someone that were something that, shows you different things. So I'm not talking about signing up for inspiring camp newsletters. I'm just in general, things that are going to spark your imagination and things that are going to make different connections. Um, I have three of them that I've, I've put in. Um, uh, the, the one of them is uh, a newsletter by Laura O'Lynn and there's links how to register for all of these, but like here are the headings from last Friday, horses and unicorns are going in the mail in the next few days. I'll just leave that with you. Um, how to talk to a friend who doesn't see the point of voting this year. Um, a photo essay about people who live on a remote Siberian river. So she gives sort of things she's found online, which is amazing. The Magnet is the only newsletter I pay for at this moment in time. And it's by Mark Farenfelder, who's part of Cool Tools and Boing Boing. And it's just... Um, 
one of the early ones is a whole essay about one man's quest to recreate Tokyo at one to 20 scale. Like I wouldn't even know that project existed unless I was reading it in the newsletter. And it, I find it fascinating. And then I also, another one I recommend is a three to one newsletter from James Clear. And he gives three, three thoughts, three ideas from him, two quotes from others and one question for you. And that's as simple as it is. And right in this one I'm looking at, it's his third thing for him that week is you're probably right has become one of my favorite phrases. Whenever someone disagrees with you on a small matter, read most things, you can shrug and say, you're probably right and move on. Not caring about winning trivial arguments saves so much time and energy. And it's, it's finding, I have a variety of newsletters that I, that are siphoned into, um, into a folder or a label on my Gmail. And I just don't find the time to read them. It's finding ones that inspire you to do better work. And uh, those three are a good place to start. um, If that's your thing. And it's helped me realize that uh, I often think when I'm online that um, everybody's seeing what I'm seeing. And I think that's the way that most of the world works is we think other people know all of the things we know because we know them. So why don't other people know them? Um, but these newsletters have opened up like a, another page to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. Not everybody. It's a reminder that Travis doesn't see the same things I see online or doesn't mm-hmm. right. Or that Chris isn't reading the same articles I'm reading and, and, th- but that perspective might help. So yeah. Inspiring newsletters. I've given you three to start. Excellent. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, great. Well, my tool of the week is uh, a lot of reading this time. Um, I guess from Joe and I, the two of you didn't, weren't necessarily reading things, but uh, um, I have two articles that I, that I wanted to share. They're from Kevin Love from the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, has written a couple of essays. One was a couple of years ago uh, about a panic attack that he had and and then his subsequent diagnosis with depression. And he's written a follow-up article just this month um, called To Anybody Who's Going Through It. And they're both really great articles. I think it's incredibly important that men talk about um, their mental health and not enough do. And uh, so it's nice to see a professional athlete who's open about um, about his depression and how he's handling things. And so I would encourage you to read those. All of these tools can be found at camphacker.tv slash podcast. This is episode 132. And so you can look this up and, and see the tools or some of the other things that we've talked along the way crazy things that came up like the game of village um they'll all be available at uh, camphacker.tv slash podcast so thank you to the three of you chris if people want to follow up with you how can uh, how can they get in touch people can follow me on instagram at planet chris one can follow my camp at camp highlight you can email me if you are old enough to use email <laughs> uh, chris at camphighlight.com. Thanks so much, Chris. How about for you, Joe? Uh, I'm doing a new one this this month, uh, if or this <laughs> podcast. If people want to reach me, they can give me a call. 519-636-4285. Girl. There you go. 
Danger, Will Smith. Danger. You, you, you know, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. You know, that's it. Okay. It's a really crappy uh, genie. <laughs> Give Joe a ring. Gab, how can people get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail, and you can check out where I work at waro.com. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me with feedback on the show, show ideas of topics that you'd like us to cover, uh, things that we haven't thought of, you can go to Travis at gocamp.pro uh, and we are gocamp.pro on Instagram as well. I want to thank the three of you for being here and for being open and sharing and um, being a part of this awesome community. And I want to thank those of you who are listening. Um, Special thanks today to our uh, editor and producer, Matt, uh, for who helps us get this show out. And the final call to action I would say is if you enjoyed this or have got some good stuff from the Camp Hacker show, uh, I hope you'll go to ratethispodcast.com slash camp. Um, and there you can leave a review that'll go in lots of different places. We've often said you can go to iTunes or the app that you use, but if you go to ratethispodcast.com slash camp, you can leave a review for our show there. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus. Hey, Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker Podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.